Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Hello, and welcome to the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I am here with my friend Charity. Welcome, Charity. Thanks, Leah. Thanks for having me. So I am super excited that you're here today because you have done something really cool with yours and your family's life, and I want to learn more about it. And I think other people will love to hear what you guys have done with your early retirement plan and moving to Mexico as expatriates. So tell us what made you um, make this plan and how did you learn about the ways that you did it? Yeah, happy to talk about that. Um, my husband and I followed the traditional American plan. We went to college. We both have master's degrees. We both worked at Fortune 500 companies and we climbed the corporate ladder just like you're supposed to do. We had a really good life. We had everything we wanted. We had the nice house and the nice neighborhood. We had uh, small children that we were happy with their schools. Everything was fine, but that's just it. Everything was fine. Everything wasn't great. We were in a situation where everything was going good with my career. And then out of nowhere, I got laid off. We were very thoughtful, even before this, about not getting overextended financially. So we always did things where we would buy a car or we would buy a house and do it in a way that if we were only on one income, we could still be able to manage our financial obligations. So I think that definitely helped us from the beginning. But when I did get laid off as the main breadwinner of our family, it really took us back because I had had the opportunity to travel internationally with my company. I had been uh, receiving promotion after promotion. So it really wasn't about me or my performance. It, it They let go 30% of the workforce. And it really set home for us that this can happen at any time, that you are truly at the mercy of the person that's employing you and what the business need is, regardless of what your personal need is for your family. So when that happened, you know, I did receive a severance and it gave us an opportunity to, to step back and think about, OK, what do we want for our family? What does the future look like? And quite frankly, I didn't want to be in that position again where I was at the mercy of an employer telling me what I could and couldn't do, telling me where I needed to live and telling me what I could purchase or had the ability to purchase. So my husband and I, we started doing a lot of research and trying to decide what that meant for us. How do we be able to have some financial wherewithal, some additional income that wasn't so completely reliant on another person or another organization. At the time, we uh, settled on real estate because it was something we were both interested in, but it wasn't something that we had a lot of confidence that we could do ourselves. And we found an organization. It sounds intimidating that, to people that haven't done yes, it. Yes, 100%. And Everyone knows someone who has ventured into real estate and been unsuccessful. Everyone has a story of taxes, right. tenants, and toilets. That's the running joke in the real estate <laughs> market, taxes, tenants, and toilets. But we also knew that the majority of millionaires have made their money in real estate, not in you know traditional stock markets or mutual funds or anything like that. It's really been through real estate. Um, so we were fortunate enough to find a real estate investment club based in Texas that had everything set up for us as far as 
providing us the coaching of what the actual steps were for an investment, as well as the support staff that you would need as far as lawyers, loan officers, construction, all of those things that go along with real estate. Through that club, we were able to meet a lot of people and really start thinking through what the opportunities were from an investment standpoint and what was possible. Until then, we just thought you buy a, a rental house or two or three rental houses and that's it. And getting involved in that club yeah. and meeting other investors, it really opened our mind to there's actually a lot more possibilities within real estate and then along through the years beyond real estate from an investment standpoint that the average person doesn't know about. I've never heard of a real estate club. Can you tell me a little more about that? Is it something you join and you invest together or it's just like giving you resources? What is What does a real estate club mean? Yeah, it could be both, actually. The club that we join specifically, um, you join, you pay a fee to join just like you would yeah, a fitness club. And then they would provide education for the individuals. They would provide vendors to be able to complete whatever work you needed for the stage of the investment, as well as other people that you could connect with to pull your money to invest in the investments. So when we started with this investment club, we went the single family route, which just means purchasing a house. Uh, we purchased two houses. And at the time, I, our children were very young. I actually, I have a very vivid memory of my second child being a newborn and me having her bundled up with me as I'm meeting the general contractor to review a house to see if we want to purchase it. Uh, we were both working full time <laughs> and we had small children and we realized while this was a great way to make extra money. It was a lot of work for us, even though we had a property management company, we had a general contractor to do all of the construction. It's still a lot of management on our side. So we quickly decided we wanted to move into multifamily, which is apartment buildings. And so in multifamily, that would be where you would have anywhere from, let's say, five people pulling their money to over 100 people pulling their money together to invest in these big apartment communities. Our smallest apartment community is, I think, eight units in Hawaii. And our largest apartment community that we've ever invested in is 250 units, one in Dallas, one in, I think, Georgia. We liked multifamily. It's different in that it's more of a business. A multifamily investment would be what you would consider an apartment community. Now, as you can imagine, an apartment community is going to cost a lot more than a single family house. A single family house, you're looking at a hundred, maybe two hundred thousand dollars. A multifamily, we're talking a couple million dollars to you know ten, twenty, thirty million dollars. So in this instance, you'll have investors pool their money together. Sorry, would people who decided to invest that way, I guess for me, I would never think that I could alone just invest in something like an apartment community. So would they need to be members of something like the real estate club you're in? Or how would somebody know how to do that kind of investment? Yeah, that's a really good question. And we were in the same boat. We, it kind of blew our mind when we learned that individuals owned apartments, right? You just, you think of big companies, big right. corporations that do that. For us, we learned about it through these investment clubs. It's not required, it's not necessary, but it's a good place to meet people. You are able to meet people okay. through online, going to different conferences, things like that. And even through the investment clubs, you don't always necessarily are going to be successful in your investment and have the, the best person with the most experience. The person who's in charge of these investments is called a sponsor. They're actually sponsoring the project and they're the ones who pulls all the information and all the people together to complete the project. 
For us, it's really finding the right sponsor to invest with versus the right project to invest with. You want to invest with someone that you know, like, and trust. You want someone that you want to have a coffee with. You're going to be in business with this person for five years or more. So who's someone that you enjoy working with, you enjoy spending time with, and also someone who has experience. I'd much rather invest with someone who's been doing this for the last 30 years and who has seen ups and downs in the market and who understands what's happened and knows people that they can reach out to support them if they get into a difficult situation because no one has all the answers. If you have someone who it's their first or second project that they're sponsored, if they run into a bump in the road, it might be a lot bigger bump than what you're willing to stomach. So you went to multifamily housing and then what happened from there? Yeah. So we've spent about four or five years just doing multifamily housing. And in that time, we invested in over 2000 units in several different states in the U.S. Um, and we would invest anywhere from $25,000 into a project to $150,000 in a project, just depending on what money we had available and what the project provided for our portfolio. What I mean by that is, does it provide us cash flow? Every month, am I going to get money? Am I going to get $100 or am I going to get $1,000? Or does it provide us the ability to greatly increase our net worth? So there's some projects we've invested in where we did not get a lot of monthly cash flow, but after five years, we doubled or even tripled our money. And that allows us to have a bigger pool of money after that five years to go invest into more things. And really, you want a balance of both. Okay. Talk to me about the concept of FIRE. I know it's a buzzword right now, but can you share more with me about what that means specifically? Yeah, so FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And the thought with the FIRE movement is that traditionally you as an individual or you as your family would make extreme cuts into your spending as well as drastically increase your savings to be able to have a larger sum of money that then you can invest. Okay. So a lot of people, when you start reading about the movement, a lot of people will do things like they'll sell their car and start riding a bicycle everywhere. They will sell their house mm -hmm. and move into a really small apartment to be able to save more money. And the idea is that you save a large amount of money, you invest that money, and then plan on uh, living off of 4% of return on that money for the rest of your life. Now, for us, that quite frankly just wasn't feasible. We had a small mm -hmm. family and we liked the good things in life. <laughs> We didn't want to ride a bike everywhere and we didn't want to drastically <laughs> cut our lifestyle. Yeah. So for us, instead of focusing on saving money, we focused on building money. And so whenever we would receive a bonus from work or whenever we would receive our monthly cash flow or a big paycheck because we sold a property, we would immediately reinvest that. Still living within our means, we've never been super extravagant with our lifestyle. And so we continued that, which helped us from a expense standpoint. But we really focused on building our wealth and building our cash flow as opposed to saving money. But both options work. It's just different ways to be able to get to the same end goal. Right. I think you have to find a way that's suitable and realistic, because if you try to do something that you don't really desire to do or it's not really practical for you, then it won't be achievable to get the results that you're going for. But I definitely think we try to use some of those ideas like 
if you get a raise, you just we just say, let's pretend it's not there and put extra in savings or investments because we were okay before it. So let's just put it aside. And the same thing with bonuses, just working towards not always increasing your spending just because you got more income. And I think that's a good way to make it practical for people. It doesn't have to always be extreme, but it can be a mindset about being content with where you are and making choices every day so that you can get to where you want to go faster. Yeah, 100%. And I think for us, the thing that helped us with the mindset part of it, which I think is a huge aspect of this type of change, is determining and truly prioritizing what is our end goal. For us, our end goal was not to be at the mercy of someone else and to be able to have freedom to do what we wanted to do. And really that boiled down to our kids. Our children and our family unit are so important for my husband and and myself. That was really what kept us going when we would get those big paychecks and you go, ooh, I want to get a new car or, Mm -hmm. hey, let's go get this fancy whatever. Having that end goal of actually, no, I don't want to work anymore. I don't want to have to go to a nine to five. I don't want to have to travel for work and not actually enjoy travel for myself. Those thoughts were what kept us going and actually made it really easy to continue. Yeah, I think determining what those values are for you as a family unit are, is so important because that's what makes helps you make those decisions um, when you're weighing, you're weighing all those kinds of things like, do I get a new car or not? Or what are our most important things that we're looking to have or experience in the coming years? And sometimes that means not having instant gratification. 100%, yes. So at what point in this process have you guys you know, saving and trying to build your wealth, did you decide to move to another country? Like, was that always part of the plan? Or was that what you were working for? Yeah, we came along with it as things came along. We were fortunate enough where I did travel a lot internationally with my business. And I had always loved living internationally. I always had a dream of living internationally. My husband and I, we were able to spend a year in Australia and we look back on that year with extreme fondness and think about how much we learned during that year. And we realized that we really wanted to provide that for our children. And so over the years of investing, when we started to think about, okay, we're actually getting close to where we could retire. What does that look like? And where would we want that to be? What do we want retirement to enable for our family? That's when we started saying, okay, what's important for us? And for us, it was giving our children a safe environment for them to explore, for them to learn about the world, for them to learn about other cultures and truly understand that we're all the same, as well as we wanted them to learn another language. As we started thinking about what those end goals were, we also started thinking about our investments and how do we marry those two? And we really realized that we were a lot closer to retirement than we thought we were. That's a good thing to find out. It it really is. And, you know, when you sit down and you start, you know, calculating all the numbers, you realize how expensive it can be to live in the United States and then how much cheaper it can be to live somewhere else. Now, you can live in another country just as expensive in the U.S. Again, it all goes back to what are your priorities and what do you want to spend your money on? But you have much more freedom to be able to manage your expenses and in a way that um, is most beneficial for your family. Yeah, I think that's something that is really surprising to um, most people. They think that, you know, moving to another country would just cost so much money or how would that be feasible? But I follow a lot of people and like love when people share details. I have a travel blogger that I've followed forever. And when they were nomadic for like six years, she would share like a monthly expense graph and show like, 
that they were so surprised. They planned to leave for six months and ended up being nomads for years and years. And it was because they found out that it was surprisingly cheaper to live in hotels and villas and eat out than it was for all those bills that we don't think about that are just you just take for granted, like having to pay for car insurance and electricity and things like that that just add up. And they're there when you're traveling and when you're at home. But if you totally change your life to living somewhere else, then some of those things go away. And it's surprising how much you can cut out of your monthly budget by not paying all those daily, regular, mundane types of bills, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a really good point because I think over the years, just living life, all of those things creep in and we just take it for granted. We don't actually stop and think about how we're spending our money or what we're spending our money on. And if right. you pause and actually sit down and do the work, you realize, okay, maybe I don't need a subscription to all of these. Yeah. Death by a thousand cuts, right? Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's so it's really cool to think about how drastically you can change. I've been hearing a lot of people saying that the new American dream is to make enough money to not live in America. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's like figuring out this kind of alternative way to make money and live life and get outside of the nine to five. So that's really interesting. I will definitely come back and talk about your life in Mexico. I want to have you come back and talk about what that's been like and the transition and everything. But do you think that you guys will stay in Mexico like it's a permanent new home? Or do you think that you're going to continue to try different places with this lifestyle? My husband and I, what we tend to do is we tend to think in five-year blocks. So we try to think about, okay, what are our plans for the next five years and then 10 years and 15 years? And realizing that this is what we're thinking today. It might be different a year or two from now, but what are our plans? And currently we're thinking that we will be here until our children graduate, which would be another eight years, maybe in the city that we're in, maybe in a different part of Mexico, but we really like Mexico. We think we'll be here for at least another eight years. And then the thought is that we would probably use Mexico as a home base Mm -hmm. while we, my husband and I do more traveling. And so we're looking forward to being able to go somewhere for two or three months and really experience an area and then maybe come back to Mexico and just kind of, you know, do a palate cleanser, if you will, before um, exploring the next area. So that's our current thought. Oh, that's so interesting. I love that. That sounds like my dream plan is like, I would love to be able to stay places two or three months when I went and really soak it up and not feel like I have to run around, but just slow down and and absorb somewhere. That sounds really fun. So it was really exciting for us. We were able to have enough of a monthly income and monthly cash flow to be able to retire off of our real estate holdings. But when we retired, we also realized that we had all of our net worth in just real estate. And while there's huge benefits to real estate, we also wanted to diversify, for lack of a better word, into other things. And so that really got us exploring other alternative investments. And so when I say alternative investments, I mean things outside of the standard stock market. So not stocks, not mutual funds, not the things that you have your 401k in, all of those sort of things. But what are these alternative investments that would still give us really good cash flow, good return on our money, but we would have more control on. So the last five years, we've actually spent a lot of time researching and investing in a whole host of different things. And again, we've done this through interacting with other investors, through interacting with other investment clubs, going through conferences, and we've invested in things like startup companies, 
We've been angel investors and we've invested in companies that are wanting to expand into other product categories or into other markets. And so we've really been able to, over the last five years, really build upon our knowledge and our understanding of the alternative investment space. But in other areas, that's really been exciting for us because we're in a position to where we can be passive investors. We're not involved in the day-to-day operations of our Italian motorcycle company, for example. But at the same time, we know the owner of the company and we're able to talk to him and understand what he's doing with the business to be able to grow that business. Oh, wow. So whenever you were looking for this, this sounds really overwhelming to me to imagine how to find these and how to choose which one. So what was the most easy way that you were connecting with and selecting these? Was it through investment clubs or was it just your own research or how did you go about finding these alternative investments? Yeah, it's a really good question, Leah. A lot of it was through investment clubs and a lot of it was through just doing the legwork. My husband has really taken ownership of this aspect of our investments and he gets out there and he meets people. He just went last weekend to Tulum to spend time with five or six different guys spending the weekend. And all they did was talk about investments and they compared notes with what types of investments they're in, what groups they're in, the challenges that they're facing, the things that they need to watch out for, what investments are doing well. So he's really taken it upon himself to get out there and to meet people and to understand what's happening in this investment space to be able to be successful. Where did he meet these guys that he's he's conversing with about investments? He originally met some of these individuals through investments clubs. And once you start meeting people, they introduce you to more people and they introduce you to new people and they introduce you to new people. So it's lots of networking, a lot of networking that he's been building on over the last five or six years. Yeah, definitely. What's happened for us also is because we've been successful with being able to retire four and a half years ago and be able to maintain our lifestyle, be able to still go on trips to see different parts of the world, be able to invest in all these alternative investments beyond real estate. We've had a lot of our friends and our family, our past investors that we've invested in come to us and say, how are you doing this? We've invested in real estate just like you and we're not as far along in our journey as you are. What is your secret? And so we've given them the same guidance that we've talked about here on this show today, but it's really hard for individuals who are working full time and who have a family and who are just getting started to be able to understand all the nuances, to be able to to have the time to go out to network because it is work. It takes time to be able to develop those relationships. So after having a lot of these conversations over the last few years, my husband and I really realized, you know, we want to be able to help other people like us be able to have these choices in their life and to be able to retire if they choose to. It's made a huge difference in our life and we can't talk enough about it to people and we want to be able to help more people. So this year we've started a business called RLT Capital Investments to where people can come to us and we can help guide them and we can help provide them with information of how to get started, as well as if they just want to be passive investors, which is what we do, then we can help connect them with other individuals to pull their money to be able to invest in these alternative investments that they maybe don't know about or that maybe they don't have access to and do it in a way that doesn't take as much time 
doesn't take as much effort to understand and quite frankly, doesn't take as much money than if they were to go out and do it on their own. That's awesome. So when somebody comes to you at RLT, is it like an investment club or is it like consulting? What would they expect if they were coming to you guys for help to get started with this? Yeah, the way we have it set up currently is we're doing what's called a fund of funds. What that means is we would pull investors funds together, investors money together, and we would invest on their behalf into these different alternative investment options. And so what that allows is for us to be able to come to a sponsor and say, I want to invest in your project. I want to invest $2 million, but I want better terms. So for example, instead of where traditionally the sponsor would say, okay, I have to pay all of these people and then whatever's left, I'll give to you individual investor. You might get 10%. We're Mm -hmm. one of those original people because we've invested a large amount of money and we can say we don't want the 10% that's left over. We want 12 or 13% and we want it first before anyone else gets paid. Okay. And so that gives us a lot more leverage to be able to go to these investors and get the best projects and to get the best terms, the best return on our investment because we're coming in with a larger pool of money. And as the individual investor, it saves you because you're not having to invest in 10 different projects and spend a ton of money and a ton of time researching the sponsors, researching the project, trying to understand who these people are, understand the business itself. Um, You're able just to come to us, one source, and get this broader understanding to be able to invest in 10 different projects, if you will, but with through just one individual investment of your own. Oh, wow. I love that you guys did all the work and figured it out and you're um, sharing the love and passing it on to other people to help them do it. Yeah, I think Next. that's the biggest thing, Leah, is it, it amazes us because there's a whole nother world to investing that we just don't know about as individuals. As we've gotten into it, there's a whole business around these alternative investments. There are different things you can invest in once you hit the millionaire status. There's even different levels of investments that you can invest in once you become our five millionaire um, and then at 10. So so there's levels of investments within investing, which again, we okay. never knew about 10 years ago. No. Um, and that we've had to learn along the way. And so it's really satisfying for us to be able to take this information that we've learned and share it with other people because you just don't learn this in college. You don't learn this in high school. You don't learn it from your friends and family because they've never done it. And so yeah, I think it's definitely something that most people who do that kind of thing don't share and don't tell people and they keep it to themselves. So it just sounds like it's unattainable to most people because they don't they don't know anybody like them who's done it. hundred percent. And so it's really exciting for us to say this exists and it can be done and it's not as scary as you think it is. So Charity, if someone wanted to find an investment club and just begin on the journey that you've shared with us, how would someone go about finding one of those clubs? I think it all begins with understanding what you are comfortable with and what you want to learn about, because there are investment clubs that can be dedicated to one type of investment or to one group of people. You know, I mentioned the real estate club that we got involved with. Um, but we've also have dealings with an investment club that's geared towards dentists. Right. I know investment clubs that are geared towards airline pilots. I think depending on who you are, what your background is, what your interests are, then I would just start with Google and understanding kind of what's available. Join some of the meetings, 
go to any webinars they may have and just kind of get a sense of what the club's about and what they can offer you to see what's the best fit for what your goals are moving forward. So maybe think about what space you're the most comfortable with. If you're this all new territory, it might be good to start somewhere that you feel a little more comfortable and knowledgeable or might have good connections and start there and then branch out from there. Yeah, exactly. And and the other thing to think about is what type of investor are you? Do you just want to be a passive investor where you know you find the sponsor or you find the project and you hand your money over and then you just wait for the monthly business updates? Or do you want to be more hands-on and really have an active role in the investment? And the investment clubs will help support you in either of those directions, whatever makes the most sense for you and what your level of involvement is. Okay. That is really cool that you guys have turned it into a passion and that it's allowing you to live the life that you want with your family. Thank you so much for sharing all of that information. I love that you gave us such specific and concrete details. Sometimes it can feel hard to get those and I hope we can use it to live our travel dreams. And I really want you to have another conversation with me and answer all my millions of questions about what it was like to transition to living in Mexico and moving there with your family and starting a new life. But thanks for being here and sharing with us. And tell us again how we can find out more about your company. Yeah, happy to. It's rltcapitalinvestments.com. If you just go to the website, it gives you some information about our company and who we are and how we got started. And you can reach out to us through the website and get more information. And we'd love to have a chat with you. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come talk to you, Leah. And I'm, I can't wait to continue the conversation about Mexico and what it's provided for my family. Awesome. Thanks for being here. You can always find me on Flip Flops and Adventures on Facebook, TikTok, or Instagram. Or you can find the podcast page on the Flip Flop Experience podcast on Facebook. And happy adventuring.